everyone. Welcome to the Path 11 podcast. Our episode today is going to be about the power of thought and manifesting. And we are going to be speaking with Ken Elliott, who is an artist and writer living in Castle Rock, Colorado. And he's been on a dual track for over 25 years as an accomplished artist and as someone who has experienced and collected astonishing stories. In his book, Manifesting 123, and You Don't Need Number 3, is not an ordinary manifesting or law of attraction book. We get into what the book entails through some of this discussion, and it contains critically new information beyond the law of attraction and makes the entire manifesting process amazingly simple. Ken has experienced sending objects in thought and having them appear in the home of someone gifted enough to describe what had been sent, and we go into more detail about this in the podcast. We hope you enjoy, and we'd like to welcome Ken to our show. Hi, Ken. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Good morning. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Back in November, when Mike and I were on location filming William Buhlman in Maryland uh, for our third documentary that's hopefully getting ready to be out in a couple of months here. Before we left, he handed us your book, Manifesting 123, and you don't need number three. And William knew at the time that we were, you know, just getting ready to really build our audience with the podcast. And he said, you know, Ken would be an excellent guest to have on your show. And it took me a while to actually take your book out and get a chance to read it. And I finally was able to this past um, month or so. And uh, I also wanted to say congratulations because I also see that it's Amazon's uh, number one bestseller. So that's great. That was a a great prize, a a nice reaction from readers. I'm I'm very uh, happy with that, very grateful for that. Yeah. And I'm really interested in this topic. Um, You know, just have been learning about it more and more since we've done the films and just stumbling upon more information about law of attraction and vision boards and things of that sort. But your book was really fun to read. It was like very easy. Um, I love the examples that you gave. It just made it, I guess the the best word really is easy. The way that you put it into context and, um, you know, talking about how we can kind of use these tools, it just felt really easy to connect to your information. So I'm hoping that we can kind of go through a little bit of your experience and kind of how you came to this subject and what inspired you to write this book. And then I'd like us to get into some of the things that you recommend to do in helping people to manifest what they want. Okay. Happy to. Okay. So where would you like to start? Um, I'll start it this way. This is an important program. I'm not an important person, but I've been given some information that is absolute core information. Uh, I, I wish I had a lab coat. I wish I had credentials that I could show you. Uh, for whatever the reason, I'm the guy that uh, have experienced this many, many times for over 15 years. And the basis is, this isn't a thesis. This isn't a, uh, a grouping of stories and we're trying to put together a good result. This is a fact. And the fact is your thoughts literally create things as you think them. And I have friends that are so gifted, I can send them things in thought and they can watch them form up in real time on the other side, in the uh, spirit realm, however we can describe this best. And you know, the first time I heard this was from William Buhlman. So, yeah, the, the book is, is a little light it's written in plain language because it's as simple as breathing. It's hard for me to tell you how to breathe uh, or how to breathe better. You're already doing it. 
And so what we're going to talk about today is what your thoughts have been doing and what they can do. And if I can put it in the best way possible, imagine that you have an app on your phone. And this app will do anything. It will do anything that you command it to do. Or, in another way, imagine you're a genie. And anything you think begins to instantly appear. Now, after doing this for 15 years, I'm one of those guys that just um, won't shut up about this because it's fundamentally important to everything in your life. So off we go, and you're going to get some information that will change your life. Now, some people might say, what? That's impossible. How could you just think of something and then have it manifest? And is it really that quick? So how do you begin to educate people on how they can begin doing this in their lives and really realizing the power of thought? Well, it's a natural law, even though we can't detect it. Um, again, I have people that I've empirically done the back and forth with many, many times on this. We don't understand gravity, but we use it. We don't understand when we take a breath of air, every gas that's involved, the names of all the muscles that fire, and this creates energy. You know, scientifically, we, we get this, but for the people on the street, no, we just use it. And in the book, there, there are a number of stories, and one of these stories was in real time, where I've, I've been sending simple and very complicated objects to Judy Goodman and others, and every time I sent them something, they got it. Now, these people are highly, highly gifted. They're way past most people that you, or certainly past anyone that's ever been on Oprah, and uh, outside of the literature, some of the things that they can do. These things haven't been discussed, some of their... Uh, their gifts have been written about. So it's, it's pretty amazing that after, I don't know, call it 40, 50 times, I would send something, and Judy would get it every time. William Buhlman started this. He was in Boulder doing a conference that I was attending, and he, he made a off-the-side remark. And um, no, this, this wasn't at the conference. We were, we're, we're pals. We've been pals for about 20 years. He made a, you know, just a side remark one day. And he said, sometimes when he goes out of body, when he goes the other side, leaves his physical body and goes into the spirit world, on occasion he'll come across the things that he's put on his wish list. He's a wish list maker. He would see everything on his wish list arrayed in various states of formation. So something he's been working on just a day or two will look like a wisp of smoke, a vapor. Now, when you're on the other side, you can look at an object, and on many occasions, you'll have a knowing, or you'll see a thing, or this and that. You'll, you'll have information that goes with it. And he knows that that item, that, that wisp of smoke, is a certain thing. It might be a trip that he would like to take. Something he's been working on, had on his, vis his wish list, and he would look at that every day and touch it every day, think about it. Uh, something he's been working with for about six weeks, would have a form. You can tell that that is that new minivan. Not he wouldn't go in after a minivan, but it's a minivan. And if he's been going on that for a longer length of time, it'll be more solid. This is all on the other side. It's more solid. It has a blush of color. You know, it's very 3D. And then further on, some he's been working on longer, it'll be fully formed. He can almost set his watch by it. And I'll never forget something he said. And this is guy talk, so, and this is what I needed to hear. He said, you know, everything I start to put on that wish list, everything's on the wish list, and I touch that thing every day, I look at that thing every day, 
I go to the other side, and there it is arrayed in various states of manufacture, like a factory. He said, I'd be stupid not to do this. I can put it on the list, go to the other side, and watch it take form. I can put a quarter into the box, and I get a quarter's result. I put more into the box, so to speak, and this thing starts to take form. And this is real. This is how the world works. And everything on this planet since time began for mankind, if it didn't happen naturally, if it wasn't an accident, then somebody thought of it and invented it, and teams got together on this. It was a wisp of smoke first. And if you look at any major city, before it was that building that's 60 stories tall with all the other buildings around it, it, it formed up first as an idea, as, as a vapor. And you keep putting intention, layers and layers of intention on it, and these things come into the physical world. Yes, it takes effort on our part, but sometimes it's not always things. There are people that are reading the book and they are specifying concepts like happiness and less stress and health. And these concepts can also be made by thought. Now that's, that is groundbreaking information. I'm, I'm, I'm privileged to be sharing this with you. It's not my information, it's not my power, not my energy, but this is what we've been doing since we have been thinking. And, and it costs nothing to put it to work for you. And I took William's advice. I'd be a little nuts not to do this, or at least give it a try. And the results have been uh, nothing short of amazing for so many people. And can you give some more of your kind of personal stories and testimonies, maybe even allowing our audience to hear the story between you and Judy and what you sent to her and, you know, kind of that really shocking you and, you know, proving to you that this actually does work? <laughs> okay. Well, when I first met Judy, it's about 20 years ago, maybe more, uh, somebody called me and uh, and asked me questions about Judy. I mean, do you know who, who this person is? Do you know what she can do? And one of the things she said is that Judy has very unusual abilities, many of them. And one of them is if you send her something in thought, her gifts are so uh, sensitive that she can see thought. I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, I sent her a bouquet of flowers for her birthday last year and called Judy the next day. And Judy described the bouquet of flowers that I sent. I thought, well, that, that's, that's pretty crazy. That's completely out of the box. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm talking with Judy a lot. We're very close friends at this point. And so uh, I began to send her things from the very first day. And she got every one of them. And this went on and on and on and on and on. Now, it's, it's obvious that I'm not the smartest guy around or I would have done something with this. All I did, well, I just played with it. Here's this gifted person. I would send her these things and ha, ha, ha. And I'd go back to my life. I didn't think anything of it. I didn't use it for me. Now, I knew at the time that William was doing his wish lists. And I, I wasn't, I, I didn't know much about that. But William's... You know, he's a privileged person. He's a writer. He's an out-of-body adept. Uh, being in a room with William is like talking to Columbus or Magellan. He's, he's an explorer of, of the highest order. And Judy is incredibly, incredibly gifted. I, I'm, not a, I'm not their peer. So um, I would just play with this. I never thought that, it, you know, these gifts were available to me for my own use. It never occurred to me. I was just something less than. Uh, without even thinking so consciously. So I, I just played with it. Um, so years down the road, and we're talking about days, years down the road, I, I woke up with this idea. 
And I thought, all right. I called Judy and I said, um, are you busy? She said, no. She's 2,100 miles away. I'm in San Francisco at the time. She's in Georgia. And I said, do you have a chair where you are? She said, sure, I do. And I said, well, I'm going to send you something in thought, but I want to do it in real time. Instead of sending you something, call you later in the day, the next day, uh, I want you to stay on the phone quietly. I'll think of something to send you, and I'll start now. She said, okay, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to think about it really, really hard. Now, way back, Judy told me if I engage the heart, the, and she didn't say the heart is a stronger force, but it is. The thought is the weak force. Love, the heart, is a stronger force. Ditto for fear. Love and fear are the two great powers that we work with in the, in the universe, up and down, you know, light and dark. Those are the opposite things. So uh, I'm an artist. I have a, you know, a wacky sort of mind, uh, or I have to go there sometimes just because. But more importantly, I'm going to think up something that's unique to me because I don't know if someone's outside, if their thoughts interfere or what's going around in the, in the different you know, wavelengths and, and the, through the house invisibly. So I've got to think of something unique. So uh, without having a photo, and I've done this many times, Judy said, you don't have to have a photograph. You don't have to be artistic or a visual expert. Um, just think the thing and give it a few seconds and let it go. And, and, and put your heart behind it, you know, make a gift from it, or, or say you're grateful for this thing that you're trying to create. So I'm going to send her a five-foot-tall Daffy Duck and sit him in that chair. And I'm going to take it further. He's got a vertical stick, kind of like a yardstick. And then at the top of the yardstick, there's a horizontal board. It makes a T. And on the front of that board, written in red lipstick, is the word love. So I've got a Daffy Duck with a handmade wooden sign. So uh, I told Judy I'm ready, and, and I start to concentrate on this. Now, yeah, I'm just a regular guy. I don't have special skills or talents, giftedness. Um, I don't have an edge. I'm just some knucklehead trying to send this pretty complicated object with thought. Now, I've already done this 30, 40 times with 100% success. I still have doubts because this is just crazy, right? I mean, this is just, I'm just some wacky guy selling snake oil on the radio, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is just upside down nuts. But I know it works for William because twice he has told me his wish list. He gave me the whole thing and they always happened. And I thought, wow, he's so special. He can do that. But I never made my own wish list. So, so, uh, so here we go. I'm going to put this into a greater test. And after two minutes of, of just trying to cram the idea of this Daffy Duck with this handmade sign and the red lipstick and the love and all that, and I really don't know what I'm doing. I'm not doing this very well at all, by the way. My mind is wandering. Pink elephants are floating around. Jet planes are screaming through the sky. The bills are flying around. You know, all these other things are distracting me, but I'm trying to stay on this Daffy Duck. After two minutes, I don't have anything left. I've done all I know how to do, which is like next to zero. And I, Judy's on the line very quietly and said, okay, so what did you get? Now, Judy and I are pretty good pals. And she raised her voice at me, which was kind of a shocker. And this is what she said. She said, are you trying to send me something? I said, yeah, I'm working, working my fanny off on it. She said, well, you get a... You send a wimpy thought, you get a wimpy result. You're just making smoke in the chair, man. You need to get on this. You're wasting my time. Now, come on. 
and I, and I was intimidated. You know, I'm going to, I'm losing a friend. I'm wasting her time. I'm an upside down failure. Is this whole thing just a belly flop? I mean, what's up? But she said something to me that was very, very important. Now, Judy doesn't do things casually. She purposely raised her voice and intimidated me. She shouldn't scream at me, but she was intimidating for a reason. And the key thing that she said was, you're just making smoke in the chair. Now, if she'd come at me another way, like she usually would, say, Ken, you're doing great. There's some smoke going there. Now, now, stay with it. I'm watching something happen in the chair. But she didn't say that. She intimidated me. Now, remember, we and I have already discussed this, how thoughts form up. And frankly, I've been waiting for somebody else to talk about this. I'm not the writer. I'm not the metaphysical guy on the circuit. You know, this is for somebody else to write. Sure, this information is all over the universe. So I'm just playing around with this stuff. But she said that thing about the smoke, and, and it was just lost on me. So I doubled down. And I did four more minutes of, you know, um, it's kind of like half terror and half fear and, and half I'm going to be a success and half I don't know what. Uh, that's a lot of halves. That's a yoga bearism, isn't it? Um, so at the end of the four minutes, I said, I, I don't have anything else to give. So what, what are you seeing? And I still hadn't thought about that smoke. She said, are you trying to send me a cartoon character? She's 2,100 miles away. I said, yeah. She said, well, there's this poor little two and a half foot tall human-y thing. And he's got little skinny arms and little skinny legs with cartoon colors on him. So I figured he's a cartoon character. And, and I, I just kind of flipped out. Now, I've already done this a lot, but not with complicated things like this. It was just a singular object. It was a, a flower or a, or a bouquet. You know, it was that kind of stuff. One object. And, and she's getting this thing with six minutes. Six minutes. And I don't even know what I'm doing. And something's already happening. If I stayed with this, and don't send Judy objects. She's got her fences up, but they were down for me. <laughs> if, I, if I stayed on this Daffy Duck thing, she's going to get that Daffy Duck. It's gonna, somebody's going to give her a, a, a little sticker. She's going to get a DVD. Something will come in the mail. And there's a Daffy Duck card or a real Daffy Duck. I don't know. But it's already forming up in her living room, and in her study. That is absolutely upside down fantastic. But that's how everything is made. That's how everything is made. And if you have something in your life that you desire, or you have something in your life that you do not desire, you can use the idea, number one of the book, of simply going into your future and imagining that you're in your future and that thing you desire has already happened. Or the thing you do not want in your life any longer isn't there. And you express your gratitude and your thoughts will begin to build that in the quickest, most efficient way possible. It's and as you, simple as that. Do you think her reaction with kind of getting a little firm with you, really what that enabled you to do is become way more fo focused on your intent? And yes. Yeah. Yeah, whatever you can think of, all the above. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Including fear of failure, which is kind of a negative, but, you know, that, that urged me to succeed. So I was putting a lot of energy, um, emotional energy, into this. Was I doing it in a loving way? No, at the time I was just bludgeoning things. I, I'd forgotten about that heart stuff and, 
and using love as this. I was just using all the effort, all the concentration I could to make things happen. I only used love one time when I sent something as a gift, and, and that was a side effect of it being a gift. So I was the world's worst guy at doing this, using the only possible means that I knew how, just concentrating very hard. Now, if you use gratitude, it's far, far easier. You don't have to work on this in that way. Um, I, I just can't, I still can't grasp the idea. You know, I'm the guy that wrote the book. You can go to my website, www.manifesting123.com and go through the story archives. There's, I don't know how many, well over 100 stories on all different topics from, from readers who are doing the simple thing and they're getting spectacular results or, you know, better than every day. But some of these things are uh, way above the board. And I'm still encouraged by the stories as much as anyone else. And yes, there are things that I'm working on constantly. And most of the things that I have worked to manifest have come true. Um, there, there are still a few others. And I see evidence of those in formation, but they haven't come into full form yet. But I'm encouraged by what I have experienced and by the experiences of others. It's not just my singular story. I may be crazy, but there's a lot of other people who tell me that uh, this is working. So, so that's a comfort. Now, when you say, you know, the title of your book is Manifesting 1, 2, 3, and you don't need the 3. What's the mm -hmm. 3? Well, the number 1, I'll get into that close. I'll just run it by the board fast, and okay. then we go back into those. Number 1 is how to make it work. Number one is the positive side. If your thoughts can make anything, if you're a genie, and you are, it's the best example I can give you. If you're a genie, and you want to have a vacation in, you know, pick a country, England, you want a vacation in London, then in your future, you, you imagine that you're in your future. You can be sitting on your couch, and you can do this. You can be driving in the car, and you can do this. And you can say to yourself, in my future, I love my, I, you can see that I love that trip I had if you're driving the car, but let's get out of that. It's a little complicated. Say so you're on your couch and you close your eyes and you imagine you're in London and you're on the street and you're having a coffee and you can see the traffic and uh, the waiter comes by and you can smell the air and you can hear all the signs, you know, the sights and you can see the, uh, the Tower Bridge, you know, from your view and you imagine you're in England. You don't figure out how you got there. How did you get the money? How did you get the time off? How did this happen? No, no, no. If you're a genie, you just declare that you are in England. And you can observe, you didn't have to worry about the time away or the money to get there. And you're so very grateful to be there. It's just beautiful, it's perfect. And here it is, you're so very grateful. And now you've taken that weak thought, that thing you're visualizing, it can be complicated or not complicated, but you're visualizing your future, you're in it, and then you load it up with love, gratitude, and that thought will begin to form that as fast as it can in the most efficient way possible. And it's shocking how these things happen. I don't like telling people, well, get out of the way. No, just, just imagine you're, it's already happened. You're sitting in it. It's already happened. That's all you have to do. And then put the gratitude on it. So that's number one. Um, and now you know how thought works. Here's a caveat. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. It does it anyway. It doesn't matter if you believe in gravity. If you hold something out and let it go, it's going to crash to the floor. 
It doesn't matter if you understand breathing. It is your gift, and as is manifesting, and thoughts are a, it's a natural law. It's a natural wonder. So it is your gift. It's within your ability and everybody else's equally to do this. And it's not a test of your faith. It's not a test of your belief. It's not a test of can you do meditation? I'm crummy at that. Uh, I call this the movie. You're going to go into your future and you have different scenes in your movie. They're all in the future. And after every scene, you say you're grateful. Simple as that. Boy, we don't, we don't need, uh, you know, five years of seminars for that and a library full of manifesting books. That's it. When you touch the light switch, it's hooked up to the power plant and the lights will come on. It's hardwired. So you don't have to petition that light switch anymore. You don't have to wish and hope. You just put this to work. So the number two is fear. And we're all uh, really, really uh, <laughs> capable of, of bringing up a lot of fear. We're wired for it. Our parents teach it to us. Uh, a lot of the systems that we have, uh, beware, be afraid, this and that. Well, of course. And we're hardwired to not touch hot plates. You know, there's a fear that your hand will draw back. Uh, I'm not trying to tell someone to master fear. I'm not asking you to go through years of therapy. Um, um, but the answer that I got was given to me. Uh, this book was all put together, but it wasn't complete unless I could figure out or could get the information on how to deal with fear. Because uh, I understand that clearly that fear is a power like love. And if you have a thought and you load it up with fear, it will make that also just as efficiently as it possibly can. Thought does not judge so-called right or wrong things. Your idea of gravity or lack of understanding of gravity has no effect on water running downhill. You can't affect it. Gravity does what it does. So your thoughts will make anything. And if you load it up with fear or love, it will amplify it. It will make it as quickly and more efficiently than you using thought. So the thing on fear, and fortunately this was given to me, it was just a download paragraph, and I'm not accustomed to those sort of things, but I uh, took it at face value. What came in, I didn't hear the words, but it was clearly there. Turn your fears into action items. And what the heck is that? And by the way, I'm in high fear. I did get my perfect house. And my first mortgage payment is due, and I ran up a pretty mighty American Express card because I'm celebrating this perfect house, right? And I've got a payment, a couple payments due that I've never seen before, and I'm in a panic. I'm really in a panic, and and my heart is pounding a little bit, my little shaky, my pulse is up some. I can feel this. I don't have that, and I'm thinking about this uh, uh, lack of money. Oh, only at least twenty times a day. And I um, also have this book on the side that's, that might get written if I can figure out what to do with this fear that I'm now experiencing. And I got a call from a friend. She's in the same boat, real estate agent. Real estate's at the bottom right now. And we've talked about this manifesting stuff, and, uh, and we're, all, we're, we're doing it. We're doing it. We're going to change everything for ourselves and pass it on. But it uh, uh, turns out we can't get past the first hurdle. She said, you need to do something about this fear stuff. You know, like I'm in charge. Um, so <laughs> I, I spent most of the day worrying about this and trying to figure out a way to handle fear. And I gave up. It was about 5 o'clock. I, I literally gave up, and that's when this thought came in. Turn your worries into action items. Well, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't have a clue. 
I just sat there quietly, and I did ask, what do you mean? I don't even know who I'm talking to. Am I, am I talking to the floorboards? Who is this? And again, I couldn't hear it, but there's information clearly coming in. It's not my thought. And there was, it was like a paragraph was dropped in, and I can just repeat it verbatim. It's very simple. I'll give you an example. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, and you're very concerned about something. Uh, let's say that your hip really, really hurts. It's been hurting for some time. I always pick a different part of my body when I give an example. <laughs> so my hip hurts. Uh, I'm a guy. I was born in Texas. I'm not going to do anything about this until my hip falls off, right? Well, what I've learned is if I keep concentrating on that hip, it's, it's sending me pain signals, and now I'm worrying about it. Maybe it's nothing, but I can create something there. I've created all kinds of things, and I can create disease as well. So I can't afford to focus on that hip and load it up with fear because it's going to make something right there. So I'm going to take action on that fear. I'll grab my smartphone, uh, a piece of paper, something, and I'll make a note, call the doctor at 9 o'clock. Now, am I going to get a good night's sleep? Probably not. Have I alleviated the fears? Probably not. Have I reduced them somewhat? Maybe a smidge. But when I wake up in the morning, that phone pings, and at 9 o'clock, if my hip's still hurting, I'm going to call the doctor. I'm going to make that appointment. I'm going to take action on that fear. If it was uh, a worry about money, that list might be a little longer. I would say, um, uh, you know, 10 o'clock, uh, when I get to work, call the boss to discuss a raise. Now, I better be prepared as to what I can do to benefit the company when I go into that thing. But I'm, I'm going to take action on that lack of money by asking for more. I'm also going to make a note to contact a mentor in my field. Another thing I might do is check out the want ads. I'll see what's available. Another thing I might do, uh, what else can I do? Oh, yeah, there's that little second income stream thing. Maybe I'll activate that. Maybe it won't be a big business, but it's another way to make a little money. So I'll have four or five checkpoints for that lack of money. I'm going to take action on that. And at the end of the day, I can't get them all done the same day, but at the end of the day, I can tell myself, a boy, pat myself on the back. I'm taking action on this lack of money. And by the way, I'm still the only guy on the block that goes to the future to take care of this. And you know what? That's all I can do. I'll put up some prayers, too. You bet I will. I don't know how that works. Never got a tour of the department over there. I've been on the other side a lot, but I never got in the front door of the prayer department. But they're on the job. They're pretty smart. So, you know, I've got everything working on this that I possibly can. But I, I feel like in our lives, we have a certain destiny. This, this is just my feeling. And we're going to meet certain people. We're going to have certain things happen in our lives. We're going to have certain aptitudes and encounter, encounter certain good things and so-called bad things. And if you get a pie chart, maybe that's a, a chunk of the pie. But I think the vast majority of that pie is open to us to choose how we want life to be. And when you're manifesting, this is our gift. It's our birthright. You can create anything. Now, if I go into my future and I'm an astronaut, I'm 66 years old. What do you think? Probably not unless I have four or five million dollars and I can go up with uh, you know, somebody's travel thing. But I can visualize I'm an astronaut and I'm floating in space and doing this and squeezing food out of a tube and all of that. And I'm all about being an astronaut in my future. What, the, what will the result be? It, it could happen, sure. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, um, uh, Branson could call me and say, you know, I, I, I heard this program. I went, I'm just going to make you an astronaut because I can. Well, that'd be a woohoo. But high, what's highly likely is somebody would put me on to a DVD set about the Apollo program. Or uh, somehow I'd be immersed in astronaut activity or meet astronauts, this and that. But I would have that astronaut thing. You're going to get a result. And it, it's fascinating to think it, but it's all more fascinating to do it. Now, do you feel that moving or moving your thought into the future or kind of working in the future in order to create the present moment, does that by any way or any means take you out of just being very present instead of trying to put forth so much energy into manifesting this and manifesting that and I want this and I want that? Are we losing part of the present moment by doing those things? Well, I don't think so, but it's easy for all of us to engage a fantasy. I certainly have some uh, merit badges on that. Um, you know, when I come out of the movie, I'm back in the real world. I have a very, very, very practical side. I have one foot that will never touch the ground again and one fit, foot that's deeply in the ground. I'm an artist. It's a business. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I have to do all these business things and good practices and live in the real world. Um, so when I come out of the movie, I, I'm certainly back in the real world. It's refreshing to have that moment, that quiet time. I don't call it a meditation. I don't use it that way, but it could be. Um, I have found that because I do spend some time in the future, in my mind, that as a side effect, and other people had the same experience, they didn't ask for happiness, but they woke up with it. And here's the funny thing that they say. I know it's permanent. I woke up happier, and I know it's permanent. A businessman said, I still have these same stresses at the office. Millions of dollars are involved. But when I woke up, I had less stress. And I'm in the office calling you. I have less stress. What happened? I know it's permanent. Now, they didn't ask for it, but it's a side effect of spending that time in the future. And in those futures, everything was good. Everything was in balance. It was as they wished. It was a very happy, stress-free place. So without specifying it, the simple fact that they were in it created it as a side effect. And, and that's quite fascinating and very, very revealing. Um, I would I, I recommend that you just go into the movie once a day. If you, if you do it over and over and over, you'll never leave home. You know, you'll just stay in the movie all the time, total fantasy, and you'll expect everything to come right through the keyhole of the front door. But that's, that's, not, uh, that's not healthy, that's not practical, and certainly not necessary. Just once a day, once a day. It's like you, you take a sheet of Xerox paper and sit over there on the other side. And the next day you do another one and another one. And some are crumpled, and sometimes you forget. And some are torn in half. Uh, but eventually, you're going to create a lot of mass over there. That's a lot of weight. That's a lot of physicality that's being built over there. I don't want to say you're building physical, but this is an analogy. Those are all layers and layers and layers of intention. And they have, they have an energy. They have a force. And they will eventually make something so physical over there that it comes into our physical world. Um, going to that number three, we're very, very, very big. And many people have experienced in dreams or firsthand while in their waking times, or they've heard these stories about encountering their higher self, 
or someone else's higher self. And I use this phrase a lot, but it's, it's the best example I can think of. If, if who you truly are walked into a restaurant where we're having our dinner and we saw you come through the door, we would instantly recognize you as someone, something. We wouldn't even know who or what you are. More powerful than anything we've ever encountered. And we would hit the ground without thinking. We would have the impression that you're God. We, we wouldn't really know, but we've never seen anything like you. But that's who we truly are in our higher self. And this is something many, many people have experienced. This is who we all are. And it's comical that we're in this uh, uh, school, in this matrix, in, in this realm, on this earth, with all of these troubles and worries and, and, and marvelous things. You know, it's, it's, it's a roller coaster. But we have the gifts. We have been empowered to overcome virtually anything. And sometimes a lot of this bad news is the best thing that ever happened to us. So trying to avoid just bad news all the time is, uh, doesn't allow for a lot of growth. And again, it goes back to, I think we're going to encounter some, some troubles and, and this and that and have those ups and downs. And that's how we become better people and uh, wiser, wiser for the process. So you don't need number three. You don't need to know that you are all powerful and all knowing. Well, something short of all powerful and all knowing, but very, very big. Chip off the big block. And you can create at will many, many, many things. And it may be unlimited what you can create. I have observed the edge of creation in a number of different ways, where, and, and other people have, where if you think of something in this deep black void, it sounds like Genesis, if you think of a thing, it will instantly happen in the void. And you can make a new biology, uh, a new up and down, a new light and dark, if, if you can think of it. I never could. I'm just not that right. But I had that opportunity, and I never forgot that experience. But I did observe that there was something in, in the air around me. It wasn't any air, but there was something in, in the space around me that I couldn't see. Particles, we'll call it. And if I had a thought, those particles would instantly create anything. Anything. A new galaxy, a new universe, if you like. And I realized that that was not my chemistry set. I was allowed to create anything. Co-create, if you want to call it, or just create. But someone else had loaned me the tools to make anything with. I didn't invent that. And I'm in awe of that. So if you want to create a galaxy, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> Branson said he's going to Mars. That's a good step. A couple mm -hmm. months ago, he's going to Mars. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he's just a guy that wears pants like everybody else, right? He's going to Mars. I love it. I just love it. Now, your technique in, um, in, in your book in describing how people can visualize this movie and how you say you can really do away with these wish lists and these vision boards, which to me, that's what was really enticing about your book. Because sometimes creating these vision boards and doing them yourself and, um, you know, kind of looking at it every day, working with it, adding to it, takes a lot of effort where it feels like if I'm just constantly replaying this movie over in my head and maybe journaling about it or writing down some of the affirmations and, um, you know, you kind of gave examples of some sample scripts in your books of, you know, ways that you can word things. Um, for example, I think one of the ones that I just opened to was about 
I'm in my future and I have perfect health, physical, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Um, I'm in my future and I'm doing what I'm here to do and I am so grateful. And just kind of putting things in in that forward term and also, like you had said earlier, just claiming that you are very grateful for it. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like you took out a bunch of steps of creating where I could be just doing this all day if I wanted to. It does. I don't have to actually sit down with a bunch of magazines and cut out pictures and you know write stuff and create this vision board. Your technique seems just a little more accessible and really usable at any time, anywhere. It doesn't matter where you are. That's right. Um, but I'm all for anyone asking in any way, shape, or form. You know, before people started writing about manifesting in the third century, what were they doing? They would sit around and think about um, cathedrals, building cathedrals. They would think about crops, how to, what can I possibly do to grow more corn? What can I possibly do to get more water onto my field? And they would, they would just do this repetitive thought. And an idea would come to them, or some guy would come up the road and say, hey, I noticed something about your field over here. If you do something this way, you're going to get a little more water in that bad spot that I can see. Uh, You know, somebody brings me an answer. Something happens. So before the wish list or vision board, I'm just stuttering about this. I'm just, (laughs) I just get so excited about this. Please just ask, pray, wish, vision boards, anything. I support it all. The bottom line is this, your thoughts are creating things as soon as you start to think it. And what you're doing now is just adding layers and layers of intention. So if you go get a lot of magazines, you're going out of your way to look through this stuff and select the things that are best for you. Layer, many, many layers of intention. And there's a vision board and you go and touch it every day. And you might think, oh, I'm going to take that off and put something in. You'll tweak it. Nothing but layers of intention. Another another sheet of Xerox paper goes on the other side. Um, Any way you can uh, repeat a thought is building it. So there's that thing about worry. You can't afford, I'm declaring, you can't afford to make yourself sick. You you can't afford to do these negative things. And, And you don't take action on those worries. I don't even call them fears. Um, I call worries concerns as well. The words you use, thought is very, 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 very literal over there. If I'm on the other side, I've been over there many times, if I'm in a room and there's a glass of water on a table and I don't have a thought in my head and I'm out of body on the other side, just the, the, the weak intention of looking at that glass of water will make me float over to it and my nose will bounce off of that for lack of another idea. But if I say I want uh, yellow Kool-Aid, lemon Kool-Aid in that glass, boom, there it is. Ice cream cone, boom. I want to be in London, boom. Things are instantaneous over there. But here, it's much slower. So you use layers of intention to build things. Now, sometimes things happen very, very fast. Uh, It's miraculous. That's what we call them. And sometimes they are miracles. I don't know the difference between a big miracle and a little one, frankly. Let's see all kinds. But... uh, this is a very efficient way to do it. I, I'll go back to the light switch. You don't have to petition that light switch. You now know it's hooked up to the power plant. That being said, all that petitioning, all that layering of intention is very, very useful. It's building that form. Now, 
another question that I have when you were kind of talking and you gave the example about kind of this voice coming in and, you know, who's talking to me? Where did I get this message from about turning uh, fear into actions? Mm -hmm. Is part of your book, do you feel like that you channeled it in some way or were you given the information to build this book for people or is this really just over time and meeting people like William Buhlman and, and Judy and having friends and seeing these stories happen that you began to create your own kind of theory and hypothesis on manifesting? Well, looking back on this 15 plus years, 20 years of being around William, Judy, other friends with the, a few other friends with this high giftedness that could, I could send them things and they would get them. I've been in training to write this book for a long, long time. And in looking back over my uh, interface with Judy in this particular way, she had great patience for me playing this stupid game with her. You know, she's a very intelligent person. And I'm being a six-year-old. Hey, I want to play post office today, okay? You know, and, and she'd go along with it. Um, and it, it was years later, well, year, well, many months later after I wrote the book, I realized that I'd been in play to do this the whole time. And I was thinking about gonna, shoulda, I was really waiting for somebody else to write this book, but apparently no one else had this direct experience. So I was getting the impression that it's falling on me to do this. I was feeling responsibility to quit talking about it and to sit down and write it. And all of my experience was practical firsthand experience with someone else. Now, William was giving me his information secondhand, but I was interfacing with other people directly. So I had a partner in this experiment, but I didn't have the answer to fear. And when I was when it was crawling all over me, it was three or four days of this, and it was pretty high fear. Um, I was thinking, why, my God, uh, I, I, need, I, I need to do something with this, and it's just eating me up, and now I know how other people feel. I've had it pretty good up until this point, 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 and uh, whoa, 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 and you know, I'm just freaking, really freaking. I wasn't the only one. A lot of freaking going on when, when we went into the Depression. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to, I had a weak intention. I didn't, I didn't have this uh, in my movie, um, but I was coming around the idea that I wanted to write this book and I needed the answer to fear. So I really, the answer just came into my head. Uh, it wasn't verbal. I didn't hear a voice. That might have freaked me out. I'm just okay. sitting there quiet. I'd already freaked out. I'd just given up. I was trying to think of sports analogies. You know, what do they do in the batting cages and the golfers and they swing through? And, you know, I'm on this path where they visualize that they make contact with the ball all the time. The golfers visualize that they're always on the green. You know, that's where I'm going to my head. And it, it wasn't good enough. And I gave up on that idea. And within under a minute, when I cleared my mind, this passage came in. And, and I didn't take action on your worries. I don't, what, do you, what is that? And I, I didn't address it to a person. I just thought, where did that come from? What is that? And then the rest of it came in, and, and I got it. And I hadn't heard that before, and it made perfect sense. Now I can take a fear. Can I turn it into a positive? Kind of. I, I can pat myself on the back and say, you know, that's all I can do. I took action on that thing. And very practical action. I just didn't sit around and say a prayer and go, oh, please, please, please send me a green and a yellow and a purple angel and bring some hammers and nails. You know, I, I'm, I'm working on this myself. And sure, I'll take any miracle, any, any sort of action that comes my way. 
but I'm responsible for this. And it felt great. Now, you're actually offering people individual sessions to be able to work with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, would you like to talk a little bit about that before we wrap up? So, you know, if people are interested in maybe working on a certain area of fear and they want to learn more about this manifesting, you know, it looks like on your website that you're offering, I don't know if you would call it coaching, but it looks like that you do one-on-one sessions with people and you're going to be having some workshops coming up and you're out in Colorado, Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you can just explain a little bit about what it would look like um, if somebody wanted to contact you and work with you one on one. Well, we're going to take a couple of hours. The first thing we're going to do is, is go through the things that are of concern and go through the things that are goals. What are the things that you uh, want to point yourself to? And I'm always about pointing yourself to happiness. But, uh, you know, we, we have these other concerns and things that get in the, get in the way. So. We're going to take two hours. It's, it's very casual. It's, it's penetrating, um, not in a personal way, but we're going to get to the core. Well, we're going, to, we're going to burrow into these things. Sometimes people don't even know the core of what some of these worries are, but we're going to burrow into all of this, and we're going to come out with an action plan. You're going to have a script, and you're going to go into your future with a script, and you can write it down and work from that. Uh, after a time, you'll get used to that, and you can just recite it however you wish. Some people make recordings, and they respond to the recordings they make. But you're going to have every possible tool at your disposal to do this. And, and, and don't forget, there are things in our lives that we think we can't get past. It could be things in the family. It could be past traumas. It could be habits. It could be addictions. It could be all kinds of things, issues. In your future, you can create a future where those things don't exist, or they're diminished to the point where they're not a burden anymore. They're not a bother. They're not a block. It, it seems fantastical, but it's, it's very practical. When you hit the light switch, it's connected to the power plant, it goes to work for you, and people get results. Yeah, wonderful. Well, we're so happy that William actually suggested us to contact you. And I really enjoyed your book. And I recommend all of our listeners to, you know, go ahead and check it out on Amazon. And if you would like to contact Ken, you can find him on manifesting123.com. And I would definitely be taking advantage of some of those one-on-one sessions with him. And, you know, good luck to some of the workshops that you're going to be setting up and doing out there as well in the future. Thank you, Hannah. Well, a lot of people like this on audiobooks, so it's in all the different versions as well. Great. Wonderful. Okay. Thanks, Ken. It's a real privilege. Thank you so much for getting the word out. If you'd like more information about our films or to purchase our DVDs, you can head on over to our website at thepastseries.com. They're also available to purchase on amazon.com. Our films are also streaming online at vimeo.com, guyamtv.com, and iTunes. If you have a show suggestion or would like us to interview someone specifically, please feel free to shoot us an email at info at com or send us a tweet at the past series. Please rate and review us in iTunes and subscribe. We hope you enjoyed the show. 